Welcome to the latest edition of the Fixed Interest Podcast Series. We will be discussing today macroeconomic outlooks for Central and Eastern Europe. Fitch Ratings is the leading rating agency in CE, and we recently published a Fitch on CE report, which is a curated compilation of Fitch Ratings in-depth research and commentary. This edition examines the macroeconomic outlook for Central and Eastern Europe, accounting for crucial regional variables including political stability, government responses to COVID-19, and more. I'm Małgorzata Kleniewska-Wodke, country head of Poland and Central Eastern Europe. I would like to extend a warm welcome to Paul Gamble, head of Emerging Europe Sovereign Team at Fitch. So, Paul, what are Fitch's expectations for economic growth in CE in 2022? Fitch expects 2022 to be a year of solid economic growth for Central and Eastern Europe. Growth rates will generally be lower than in 2021, as these were boosted by the recovery from the pandemic-affected lows of 2020, but will still be robust compared to previous levels. In part, this reflects the ongoing recovery from the pandemic. Countries with large services sectors, and in particular tourism industries, will continue to benefit from a recovery that is already entrenched in manufacturing sectors, where we do not think that the pandemic has caused any scarring. There's not much divergence in our growth forecasts for regional economies in 2022, which range from 3.7% for Bulgaria and Slovenia to 4.8% for Estonia. This compares favourably against pre-pandemic levels and other emerging market reasons. A key reason for this is the boost to the beneficiaries in the region from an increase in EU support, in the form of greater availability of grants under the Recovery and Resilience Facility and usage of the 2014-2020 to Multi-Annual Financial Framework Funds, which is around a peak. This will be enhanced by an easing of the supply chain issues that have affected the region's auto sector. In particular, we think the availability of semiconductors will be better in the second half of this year. This is the reason why the two countries where we see a notable pickup in growth in 2022 compared with 2021 are Czech Republic and Slovakia, the region's largest auto producers. Private consumption is expected to be the main contributor to growth in 2022. Large household savings that were built in 2020 will continue to be drawn down and a buoyant regional labour market will underpin solid wage growth. However, high inflation will put some pressure on disposable incomes. More broadly, tighter policy settings as pandemic-related fiscal measures lapse and monetary policy is tightened to counter inflation will also act as a constraint on growth. Risks to growth this year are still mainly on the downside. The key one is the evolution of the pandemic. Economies have clearly been able to adjust to bounce of containment measures, and restrictions put in place for the Omicron wave were much less economically disruptive than earlier waves. At the same time, there are clearly risks around virus mutation and vaccination rates vary significantly, but are well below Western European levels and are held back by public scepticism rather than supply constraints. The other risk across the region is inflation. How concerned is Fitch about inflation in CE? Inflation will remain a key policy challenge in CE in 2022. The sources of inflation in the region are largely the same as those driving rising prices throughout much of the world. So higher commodity prices and supply chain issues combined with surging demand after economies reopened. This has been exacerbated by higher energy prices, with insufficient supply pushing up prices across the region. One consequence of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine will be further near-term pressure on energy prices. Inflation in CEE is being aggravated by labour market tightness. Labour markets were strained ahead of the pandemic, with wage growth high and unemployment rates at multi-year lows. Wage pressure is again becoming more evident in services sectors, reflecting pandemic-related changes to working patterns, 
and pre-pandemic skill shortages are returning. The degree of labour market slack is an important factor explaining the difference in the current inflation rates in the region and the persistence of labour market tightness and the feedback of higher wages into prices could prolong the period of higher inflation. We expect tighter monetary policy and an easing in the external price pressures will put inflation on a downward path in the second half of this year, but it will remain well above historical levels and there is a risk that an extended period of higher inflation could impact inflation expectations. Inflation has posed a test for central banks in the region, and those with their own interest rates have tightened policy at varying degrees. We assume that policy tightening will continue throughout the region, but with policymakers focused on core inflation, which generally remains well below the headline level, CEE central banks are likely to retain historically large negative rates on an ex-post basis, unless inflation expectations deteriorate. The region's Eurozone members obviously don't have the interest rate tools and negative real interest rates in the Baltics are currently around double digits. Past periods of rising inflation in the region have been accompanied by other imbalances that pointed to a broader overheating of the economy. In the most extreme case, in the run-up to the global financial crisis, rising consumer price inflation occurred in conjunction with rapid growth in bank credit, rising property prices and widening external imbalances. In the years prior to the pandemic, some sovereigns were experiencing rapidly rising real estate prices and strong wage growth. Strong cyclical forces were aggravated by pro-cyclical policy, but overheating pressures were not evident. At present, we do not see signs of overheating in the region, reflecting the large supply-side nature of inflationary pressures. House prices are the one area where there has been strong growth in a number of sovereigns. However, affordability measures are not being stretched. Mortgage lending is not excessive. In addition, regulators have developed macroprudential framework to tackle risks from housing markets and retain significant policy space. For example, the countercyclical capital buffer is below pre-pandemic levels for all. Rule of law is attracting a lot of attention in the CE region. How does Fitch view rule of law issues in the region? Rule of law is a contentious issue. This reflects concerns over the potential undermining of institutions and erosion of independent checks and balances in some member states and the lack of an effective sanctioning system. Although rule of law issues are not confined to Hungary and Poland, tensions in this area have been more high profile, partly reflecting a more confrontational stance on a range of social issues. Rule of law is an area that we've written extensively on, and last year we put out a report that looked at the country's specific details and found statistically significant relationships between rule of law and economic growth in FDI. Rule of law and governance-related considerations are negative rating sensitivities for Hungary and Poland. Disbursements of next-generation EU funds are tied to compliance with core rule of law values of the EU, and we consider these funds important for investment, and the reforms embedded in the accompanying recovery and resilience plans supportive for a lasting economic recovery post-pandemic. Neither Hungary nor Poland have had their recovery and resilience plans approved by the European Commission, and rule of law issues are at the heart of this. Given the funding that is involved, our baseline assumption is that the governments will compromise on rule of law issues. 2022 will be a year in which this assumption is tested. The court ruling on February 16th dismissed the challenge to the rule of law conditionality for NGEU funds, placing the onus on national authorities to reach an accommodation with the European Commission. If an agreement is not reached by the end of December, both countries could lose around 70% of the grants they have been allocated. It also puts at risk some of the funding under the EU's 2021-2027 budget. Elections in Hungary in March offer a way out of the impasse. Fitz assumes that an opposition government would change tack on EU-related issues, while a further term for Fidesz would likely lead to an eventual compromise. The path to resolution in Poland is less clear. 
With all EU funds needing to be used by end 2026, the longer it takes to reach an agreement, the smaller the window to use the funds and the greater the challenge for execution capacity. Beyond the negative growth impact, a failure to compromise would undermine investor flows, while any associated weakening in governance would have a direct impact on our sovereign rating model. Now the last topic. What are the prospects for sovereign ratings in CE in 2022? Across our portfolio in CEE, rating prospects are balanced. We have two ratings with positive outlooks, Bulgaria and Croatia, and two with negative outlooks, North Macedonia and Romania, and the remainder have stable outlooks. The positive outlooks reflect the Euro accession process. Both sovereigns have formalised accession targets with Croatia aiming for the start of 2023 and Bulgaria the start of 2024. We have said this process is net positive for the ratings, all else equal, by two notches. We think that Croatia's 2023 target is realistic. We see a clear political commitment in Croatia as well as in all relevant European institutions. But what will be key to look at is what happens in the convergence review process. This will happen in the next three to four months, and there are some concerns about Croatia meeting inflation and fiscal criteria. We think the European Commission could show some flexibility and allow Croatia to join the euro in January 2023. Prolonged electoral cycle has contributed to Bulgaria falling behind Croatia, but the new government is now committed to join in 2024. Again, the inflation criteria may prove challenging, but the treatment of Croatia will be an important precedent. The negative outlooks for Romania and North Macedonia reflect risks around public finances. The relatively new government in Romania, consisting of two formally opposing parties, may find fiscal reform challenging. Already we have seen it pledge higher support measures in the context of limited fiscal space. Meeting fiscal targets could mean cutting investment, an approach the country has adopted in the past. Our rating triggers are on the credibility of fiscal adjustment, and we think that commitments to the triggers in the recovery and resilience facility are important. This is particularly the case as Romania is one of the few countries that has pretty clear revenue and spending reforms in its programme, and it will need to meet these targets in order to get the NGEU disbursements. Here we think the compliance risk is high because of the politics and because some of the most important reforms, for example on pensions, run contrary to the political promises from recent years. For North Macedonia, we're looking for more confidence on the fiscal stance and seeing a clear path to debt reduction. We think the adoption of the organic budget law could provide an anchor for fiscal consolidation through the introduction of a revamped fiscal framework, including a formal fiscal rule and the formation of a fiscal council. But we haven't seen any progress on that, and we're also still wary about the escape clauses. Public finances are generally the main positive and negative rating sensitivities for those countries in the region on stable outlooks. Here we'll be looking not just at country-specific developments, but also at what is happening with Eurozone fiscal rules. Thank you, Paul, for your insights, and thank you for listening. We hope you will join us in the next edition of the Fixed Interest podcast series.